This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 695 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by EquestrianCollections.com. Hi, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on the Horses in the Morning show, episode number 496. The Horse.com digital editor, Michelle Anderson, and the Horses in the Morning crew are joined by Dr. Allison Stewart from Auburn University for an in-depth look at rabies. But first, let's hear from today's sponsor. Hi, Glenn here with the Horse Radio Network, and I'm here with Debbie from Equestrian Collections. What are we talking about today, Debbie? Hi, Glenn. Today we're going to be talking about our Equestrian Collections Facebook page. I hope all of your listeners know that we have a big presence on Facebook. You can find us by just putting Equestrian Collections in your search box. We have a lot of things going on there. We have contests on there. We have... um, uh, announcements of things that are happening in the horse world. If somebody, if we find something that we find, think our customers will be interested in, we'll post that. You ha- can interactively speak with us on Facebook. Um, you can interactively speak with each other on Facebook. You can talk about products. You can talk about your horse. You can enter contests. It's a very vital part of our company, and we're on there every day. So we look forward to hearing people talk to us on our Facebook page. Very good. And I know we post our shows on there. You can actually listen to to uh, some of the Horse Radio Network shows on the Equestrian Collections Facebook page as well. And we appreciate that. You can find it by going searching for Equestrian Collections on Facebook. And now on with the tip. Good morning, Michelle. Hey, Glenn. How are you doing? Okay. This is, 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 is let me start that over. This is Michelle with thehorse.com, and we're so happy to have you here as usual on Wednesday. And I hear you brought somebody along, a doctor with an accent this time. Yes, yes. Dr. Allison Stewart uh, from Auburn University is with us. Dr. Stewart. Uh, hello, Jennifer and Glenn. How are you? Okay, where are you from, Dr. Stewart? Oh, I, I'm actually from Melbourne in Australia, um, so I'm a, I apologize about my Australian accent mixed with the, the southern drawl. We have a bit of a mess, but I'll do my best. I love it. Tammy from our Western radio show, host over there, the Western radio show is from Australia and lives in Texas. So we get a lot of Australian y'alls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> terrific. <laughs> well, Dr. Stewart is here to talk with us about rabies, and she is board certified in internal medicine and um, emergency critical care, and is associate is an associate professor uh, down there at Auburn University. Um, and so, rabies. When I think of rabies, I think of Old Yeller or the rabid dog and to kill a mockingbird. That's what comes to mind. I think of, of our dogs getting, you know, tangled up with raccoons or, you know, some other rabid animal. 
is this a concern for us with our horses? Oh, definitely, definitely, Michelle. Um, last year, in 2011, in the United States, there were actually 53 horses and mules that died of rabies. Um, oh, this wow, is not I a large that. number, but it's a pretty significant number, and it's a horrible way to die. And it also put probably hundreds of people at risk of rabies. Mm-hmm. So it's not only a risk to the horses, it's a risk to those of us who are around our horses. Yes, certainly. I mean, if you've got a sick horse and he, he starts to show some clinical signs that are un, unusual, you're usually trying to take care of him and the veterinarian and anybody else in the barn can be exposed. And it's usually several days before the diagnosis is finally made. And, and many times, many people have, have been exposed to the virus during that time. Okay. So you just mentioned that it's a virus. What causes rabies? It, it is a, a rhabdovirus, uh, which is a very, very nasty virus, and that gets into um, the animal via saliva or blood, usually from a bite wound, and then it travels up the nervous system into the brain, and then the animal starts to show clinical signs. Um, it actually gets into the salivary gland before it reaches the brain, so a rabid animal can be shedding the rabies virus in saliva before it even shows any abnormal clinical signs. That's scary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and with, you know, we think rabid dog, the foaming of the mouth, um, the kind of wild mm-hmm. behavior. What are the clinical signs in our horses if they contract rabies? Well, it's, it's a gradually progressing disease. The horses continue, or any animal continues to deteriorate. But the most common clinical signs that are seen initially um, is a mild lameness, and maybe that switches from one leg to another. And then you might see them becoming ataxic or wobbly. Uh, sometimes they show signs of colic, and there, there have been some horses went to colic surgery and they didn't find anything and it turned out they had rabies. Um, usually they start, which is very scary for, for veterinarians, uh, and then most of the time they start, then the neurologic signs continue to progress. So the wobbliness, um, we start to see cerebral signs or signs affecting the brain. The animal might become depressed and not able to eat or often they actually become aggressive Cattle tend to always become um, depressed where horses can be either depressed or aggressive. And, of course, the dogs, as you know, are are usually aggressive. Uh, Sometimes they can show signs of choke, so that's more common in cattle. Uh, Sometimes they will salivate, but usually not. Um, They often have uh, intense itchiness, uh, and sometimes they, um, they actually... We have what we call super libido. Sometimes they actually want to try and, you know, mount other animals and um, and act like a stallion, which is a little frightening as well. If you've got a rabid gelding that now thinks he's a stallion. Yeah, you know, the problem with all of that, Michelle and and, and uh, Dr. Stewart, is they mimic so many other diseases. All the things you just said. Yes, a horse with the first signs of rabies can look like anything and so it's something we need to keep our minds open for Um, and the the biggest risk is that if a horse shows some of these mild signs and then happens to die, progresses very quickly and dies and a post-mortem is not performed, 
and rabies testing is not performed, then there might have been people that were exposed or other animals that were exposed and nobody will know until the next person or animal gets sick. And that's, that's you, a quite scary thing. Do, do, is it, how long does it live, uh, you know, let's say saliva, uh, how long does it live outside the body? Do we know? Um, it's very short. So if a horse was to, or a dog was to, to drool um, or bleed, it would die very, very quickly. Okay. So we know in the environment the survival time is very short. And even if you get bitten or get saliva, if you get saliva on your hand, you can just wash that off and you will probably be fine. Um, but if you happen to have a small cut and that saliva or blood got in your cut or you were bitten, then um, you've been directly inoculated. But in the environment, it has a very short, short lifespan. What, and do you mean minutes or hours or? Minutes, minutes. Okay. Yeah. Right. So the neurologic signs that, that you mentioned, the ataxia, um, it, that sounds to me a lot like it could be EPM or West Nile virus. So as, as a vet, how do you approach these neurologic cases mm, and protect um, yourself in case of it yeah. is a rabies? Yes, well, I, I work at a referral hospital, so we have neurologic horses that are sent into us because we have a padded stall and slings and lots of people that can take care of these animals. And if it's EPM or West Nile, you know, they've got a pretty good chance at survival. But when a neurologic horse comes in, we always have rabies on our differential list. You know, it might be at the bottom, and we might be thinking West Nile first, then then triple E and then um, EPM or head trauma or any of these things, but we always keep rabies on our list um, and, and herpes virus as well. And, and as you know, herpes virus can be spread to other horses, so we're often taking precautions of wearing protective gowns and boots and gloves uh, in case it's herpes virus, and we also do the same for rabies. And if it's a Dr. Allison? What would make rabies move up that list? When a horse, you, let's say a, a referral case came into your hospital, um, obviously there's a big bite on his knee. That would move it up. <laughs> but are there other things that would make rabies move further up the list? Yes, certainly. If they are showing signs of aggression um, and rapidly deteriorating signs, then rabies would be further up our list. We had a case several years ago uh, that came in and was down in the trailer and biting it itself and, and the owner didn't want to treat it but we insisted that we try and get a post-mortem, put that horse down and, and get a post-mortem. So that one, we had rabies at number one on our list and we were very, very careful in how we handled that animal and the number of people that were exposed. That wasn't one that we allowed the students to get the history and go and do a physical exam on. Uh, there was only three of us that actually handled that horse. Do you get so an annual rabies vaccine, Dr. Allison? Yes, yes. We <laughs> vaccinate all our students uh, and technicians and faculty members and residents here at the university and, and most veterinary practices um, are hopefully doing the same and we have our titers checked every two years. And that is a big expense for, for a low-risk disease, but because of the consequences that it's almost uniformly fatal, um, we are all vaccinated. So what kind of animals are the horses usually contracting rabies from? Um, it depends a little bit on the area of the country, um, but 
down here in the south it's usually raccoons or bats. Um, it depends uh, you know, on the part of the country or the world that you're in. But if there's fox rabies overseas, there's the dog rabies in India and, and other foreign countries. We don't have canine rabies anymore, the, the disease that killed old yellow. Luckily we've eliminated that. But um, raccoons, bats, skunks, any animal that you see wandering around the barn during the day that's usually not wandering around the barn. Um, you know, uh, normally a raccoon is going to be out at night and doing his um, foraging at night, but if you see him wandering around or acting vicious uh, during the day, then I would certainly have rabies up on the top of the list for that wildlife species. So around the barn, we have lots of other critters other than our horses. You mentioned that you and, and your students get vaccinated for rabies. Do you recommend... Uh, vaccination for the barn kitties and, and the dogs that are in the stables as well? Yes, yes, definitely the animals. Um, we don't recommend or the, the medical profession doesn't recommend vaccinating um, all, the, the, all the people in the US, only if you're in a high risk category like you're in the military or you got, want to ride a bike uh, in India or you're a veterinarian. But certainly we should vaccinate our animals, our pets um, and our livestock. And that's one, to protect them and also to protect ourselves and our children and our barn workers and, and the kids riding in the barn. Well, I got to tell you too, Michelle. We we had an experience with this. I told this story before. I think that uh, we uh, I came out to the barn one day, and there was this raccoon in the rafter of one of the stalls right above one of our ponies, and he was just acting weird. So I shot it. I actually took twelve shots, and I hit it every time to kill the thing, which we knew mm -hmm. was a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one of the things when they have rabies. If you shoot them, they tend not to. They will die quicker if they don't have rabies. I don't know if it's the adrenaline in the system or, what, or if it's a disease or what, but. Um, so we did take it to the state and have it tested and tested positive. The state still wow. take this very seriously, Dr. Stewart. They came out that day and they told us which horses we had to quarantine and what we had to do and what we had to wash down. And we ended up having to quarantine that horse for, I think it was three months. Yes, um, yes. That would be difficult. Yeah. yeah, so it's signs everywhere. Yeah, signs everywhere. Signs we everywhere. Have to sign <laughs> no, it's, it's a very serious problem because if, if that horse did get infected and then you happen to sell him or maybe he got colic and died, um, it's essential that a post-mortem is performed and rabies testing is done because you and your family are, you know, will have been exposed to that horse that you love during that time. So that's most of the quarantine is to keep track of that horse if something happens to him or he starts showing some of these unusual signs. Unfortunately, this pony yeah. never did. Now, Great. do people still have to get all the, the uh, shots in the stomach, that whole painful process yeah. it used to be? It, yes, it depends on the exposure. Uh, if, say, you had been bitten by the raccoon while you were trying to euthanize him um, or he had scratched your arm or, or something like that, then you have been exposed to an animal that was rabid and that you were able to prove to be rabid. So you would have to have a series of about seven vaccine injections over the next couple of weeks and also the hyperimmune plasma as well, those huge big injections um, of a large volume. So that makes you um, a bit of a pincushion, which is why we get vaccinated. Um, and then if we're exposed as veterinarians, we won't have to have the plasma, but we will have to have a couple more vaccines. Is it in the stomach still? 
I'm not sure. I'm luckily I've never had one. I think it is. I, one of my friends yeah. actually had to have a lesion check. Yeah. Michelle, I'll let you do that. I'm not volunteering. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, and, so we've kind of alluded to the outcome of this. If our horses, if a horse does contract rabies, what is the end result? Can we treat the horses, or is it fatal? Unfortunately, um, it is fatal. It's uniformly fatal disease. Except there has been two humans ever in the history of the earth that I'm aware of that have survived and they put them into a drug-induced coma. But um, the horses, if they come in for neurologic disease, you know, we treat them, we look after them, we try to get a diagnosis, but if they continue to deteriorate, um, it reaches a, a point where it's no longer humane to try and treat them and we put them down and... Um, we get the post-mortem and then we, we find out that they actually did have rabies. So it is uniformly fatal. There is no treatment at all for animals. Okay. Um, so how do we make sure our horses don't get this? <laughs> well, that's, that's a great question and it's a really simple answer. Um, vaccination. And for horses, it's still a yearly vaccine. For dogs and cats, you can do it every three years. And that should be performed by your veterinarian. You want to make sure that the vaccine that you're getting is a quality product that's been refrigerated and stored well and, and not just fallen off the back of somebody's truck. Um, but yearly vaccination of your horses, your dogs, your cats, the barn cat, uh, etc., every year for the horses and every three years for the dogs and cats and that will protect them and then protect you and also protect uh, veterinarians and veterinary students that might have to look after that horse if he gets sick. Okay. And we have an article that you were interviewed for. It's on thehorse.com if people want to go look for it. It's article number 20456, uh, and it's a great refresher on rabies and horses. But you told our news editor a story about a little girl who had been exposed, I believe, um, to rabies that you had you'd come across. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yes, there's a couple of incidents. I think the one that I'm thinking of was the pony. Uh, was it the pony that had the rabies? Yeah. Yes, okay. And that was a case we... There was a little girl who was riding a pony at a 4-H show and he was a little bit lame that day and it seemed strange and they had the show vet look at the horse and, and uh, couldn't really work out what was going on. And then the next day the horse was showing some neurologic signs and they called their veterinarian out and he was concerned, you know, maybe West Nile virus and decided to ship the horse to the university. Um, and so the horse had been showing signs for only 48 hours by the time it was on, on the road to to the university. And it was about a four-hour trailer ride, and after about two hours, the horse went down in the trailer and started attacking itself. And, and the owner was very concerned and concerned about money, and he didn't want to take it to the university and, and spend a lot of money on a horse that probably wasn't going to make it. And luckily he was polite enough to give us a call and say, look, I think I'm going to just turn around and go home and... Um, you know, shoot the horse and bury it and, and not spend any more money because it looks really bad. But we had a, a talk to him and, and really strongly suggested that he did bring it to the university, even if he didn't want to spend any money on treatment, that we did put it down in a safe manner um, and shooting it in the head is probably not the best way to 
to euthanise it to be able to test then for rabies. Um, so we did we were able to use the injections and put it down humanely and did perform a post mortem um, and testing for rabies. Now that horse was positive for rabies and him, uh, the owner, the, the gentleman, and his little daughter and several other people that were at the show um, and on the farm and the veterinarian, the two veterinarians that examined the horse all had to have the post exposure. Um, hyperimmune plasma and the vaccines, yeah. That poor child, I mean, he, the child loses its pony and then also has to go through that torture. So. Yes, well, that, that is very sad, um, but it would be a lot worse to die of rabies. I yeah, that's true. Worse, well, that I couldn't true. think of a worse death. Well, I know when I read, read that, I just thought it was a great example of following through on care and you know, making sure that everyone is safe besides yeah. the horse. Yeah. And no people have ever got rabies from horses yet that's been recorded, um, but there's, there's really no reason why they couldn't. They've certainly got it from cattle before, and, and it'll happen one day, um, okay. unfortunately. Yeah. And we do have an updated fact sheet on the horse.com about rabies also if anyone wants to print that out and put it in the barn, keep it close uh, just in case. As a reminder, if you see that raccoon like Glenn did that's acting mm. oddly or in my area we have bats, so uh, that's why I vaccinate for rabies because uh, we do have that potential here. So thank you, uh, Dr. Stewart. I appreciate you joining us. Well, there you go. A fascinating topic and a very serious one as well. To listen to more of the Horse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to the Horses in the Morning gang putting in their two cents on horse health topics, tune in to Horses in the Morning at horsesinthemorning.com for your weekly fix of up-to-the-minute horse health information and more. You can also go to thehorse.com where you can find the motherlode of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. Don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you by equestriancollections.com, where you'll find the whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips. For the latest news and fun contests from Equestrian Collections, you can stop by their Facebook page. Just type in Equestrian Collections. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover on the show. You can subscribe to all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zoom and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zoom, or MP3 player. You can also listen to the shows right on Facebook. The player's right there every day. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. 